anything. We're like, okay, what's happening? Like, let's go through our list of everybody who signed up for the webinar. Like, have you reached out? What is this? And one of the individuals was like, I'm only going to bring, be able to bring three. We're like, okay, 300 K that's cool. Like that's totally fine. He's like, no, three people. We're like, no, 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 no. That's under, that's under hundred K. I don't know what I'm going to do again. Your life is over, <laughs> right? Because it's scary because like we had set a certain amount and they had set a certain amount. So that's just like kind of what you have in your brain, but then you have to go into like, I don't know, fight or flight mode. And for us, it was just like fight. It's like, as an operator, I know other investors are romanticizing multifamily investing, and I'm looking to learn from other investors' mistakes. I know you are too, and you found the right place. Welcome to Myers Methods Presents Multifamily Missteps. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Myers Methods Presents Multifamily Missteps. I'm your host, Jerome, and I have some special friends with me. They're from far, far away, and you'll find out a little bit more about that in a minute. So, Michael Barnhart and Susie CVA, how are you guys today? Doing great, Jerome. Really excited to be on your podcast. Listen to it a lot and, and learn a lot, so I'm hopefully we can give back as well. Man, that giving of the missteps is something that some people are terrified of. So super grateful for you guys to come hang out with me today. It's my first time. Well, second time I've had two guests on the show at once. So I'm going to do my best to bounce back and forth. We'll see if we can actually get this thing done. Where are you guys? So we are in Cambridge, England. Where? Like across the <laughs> Over in the UK. We're like an hour north of London. Yeah, so like across the big pond, like the Atlantic Ocean, but you you call that a pond. Don't you? <laughs> they always do say across the pond, but it is pretty large. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's a pond. But anyway, so, but you invest in the United States. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wait, how is that possible? A lot of sleepless nights. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I mean, it's just possible from the early mornings and the late nights. I mean, just a lot of extra work goes into it, but it's all worth it. Right. When you're like going towards something that you believe in. So I guess that's how it's all possible. Yeah. And the other thing too, <laughs> is having partners you can trust on the ground yes. where you want to invest. Nice. So before we dive into the story, how can the listeners get in contact with you? Yeah, absolutely. So they can find us on our website at adventurousrei.com. Um, I mean, we are also on LinkedIn, but you can definitely go to our website and learn more about us there. We are really big on return on impact. So you can learn more about that on our website. Nice, nice, nice. Okay. So they got a podcast, ladies and gentlemen. We'll link that all up in the show notes so you can find them. But let's dive into this story. How'd you get into multifamily investing? And like, were you always in the UK or like, you got to break this down for me. This is a first. (laughs) No, absolutely. So Michael's active duty Air Force getting his PhD over here at the University of Cambridge. So that's what brings us over here. So before he was teaching at the Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs. Um, So that's where we were. And then once he's done with his PhD, we will go back to Colorado Springs so that he can teach at the Air Force Academy. But everything started while we were over here and everything actually started because of COVID and the lockdowns. So over here, the lockdowns, like everybody was sent home from work. And granted, I just walk up the stairs for work. So it didn't make much of a difference for me. But like Michael does wet research. And so he wasn't doing research. And we were like, okay, well, what are we going to do? You know, like we don't know how long we're going to be in lockdown. And so we started a mini book club. 
And the book club was the first one was the slight edge. And that just talked about being 1% better every day. So at the back of the book, it has like a recommended reading list. And we're like, okay, well, now we have to read these. Like if he's telling us we have to be 1% better every day, this is what we got to do. And then one of those books led to multiple streams of income. And in that book, he talks about real estate investing. And Michael literally just looked at me and said, we have got to do this. And I said, okay. (laughs) And that's like where it all started. (laughs) Yeah. And by mini book club, she means like a Pico or micro book club. It was just us two. Oh, yeah. We choose not to have a TV because of the distractions and things like that. So we, we, we choose to read instead. Wow. Okay. So that's talk about partnership, right? We, we're doing a book of just the two of us, but I think it would foster some amazing discussion, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause he would read it first and then I would read it. And then like afterwards we'd either come up with like our own questions or we'd find questions, you know, that like an actual book club would ask to a larger group online. And it was actually really cool. Even just asking each other the questions, right? Because those aren't usually things you think about asking your spouse or partner or whomever. And so once we did, it was like, oh, that's me. I didn't know you thought that way. Like, this is cool. Let's ask more questions, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Discovery is amazing. This, and I think it's the minute, the second we stop discovering more about our partners is the minute that the thing starts to go off the rails because you grow apart, right? You can either grow together or you grow apart. And so that's phenomenal. So how does real estate go from being an idea to being a thing where you own something thousands and thousands of miles away? Very, very diligent like <laughs> education. So we started, you know, reading as many books as possible and hopping, listening to as many podcasts. So going to, you know, podcast university and, uh, you know, reading as many books as, as well. And, and then just networking. Networking is the lifeblood of real estate, especially multifamily real estate, right? But I want to add too, like the very, very first thing that like made the flower grow, you know, from the seed was like a Facebook post. So Michael posted in a real estate group, like, Hey, we're overseas. Like are other people doing this, you know? And then just like tag, 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 people started getting tagged. And we were like, Oh, look it, there's more of us, you know, we, we found this group. Like, and so that's really where it all started. Cause then that's where we met. Like one of the first people over here, his name is Marcus Long. And like, he told us like, Hey, you should try to go to this conference. And then we went to the real estate conference in blew our minds, right? It was like multifamily, birds, house hacking, Airbnb. It was like one, sailing, flipping. Yeah, yeah, one whole weekend where we're like, oh my God, there's so much to choose from and not enough time. What do we do? You know? Wow. Okay. And so how'd you land on the strategy of multifamily? So initially we were going down the single family route, you know, all the, a lot of the podcasts out there kind of like funnel you to single fa- towards single family, like take action, just buy something. Cause you can do it yourself, things like that. Right. And so we were like, Oh, we can do this. You know, yeah. not, not a lot of effort. I mean, there's a lot of effort, but like, it's easier. And if we mess up, it's just on us. Right. So we went down the single family route for a little bit. We built a team in Cedar Rapids, Iowa and had everything going we had two doors under under contract and then like an inland hurricane came through and like wiped out like 60% of the trees it was wild like the city was out of power for like 4 to 6 weeks anyways our whole plan there to like rehab was like you know out, out of the, the window out the window yeah because all the contractors and things like that were all busy rebuilding the city not really focused on doing some rehabs or rental right and so we couldn't get financing on those properties, so they fell to escrow. We took a step back and we we're like, well, 
we're not going to be able to do what we want to do here in this in this market that we spent so much time researching and building a team for like, at least another year. So what are we going to do in the meantime? So instead of like letting that be a roadblock for us, we took a step back and looked at our, our goals. Our five-year goal is to accumulate 25 single-family homes and then 1031 those into a multifamily uh, property. And so like we're like, hey, let's just jump straight into multifamily. Let's figure that out. Yeah. Might as well. And so, you know, Grant Cardone says 10x everything. And we're just like, sure, let's do it. And so we joined Brian Briscoe's meetup was the first meetup that we went to for networking. And that just like, that's where we met everybody, right? So we've seen you on there several times, Jerome, and like met so many people on there that have been critical to our success. Wow. Yeah. Briscoe's a good man. I like him a lot. So, all right. You 10 next it. So let me see 25 homes, skip that. So you go to 250 unit multifamily building, right? <laughs> so 88 and we have a hundred under contract. So we have 188 right now. So we're almost at 250. <laughs> <laughs> No, but I mean, this is perfect for getting to it on the boat, right? Most people say, oh yeah, you got to go get a hundred units plus and do all the things and it doesn't actually work, but 88 does work, right? So let's talk a little bit about that. What's the background on that deal? Kind of walk us down the journey. Yeah. So like during this whole time, right, we like had to make sure that we were maintaining balance. And what I mean by that is that like we had to be reaching out to brokers and underwriting and still putting out content because we're still all new to this. So the deal came from a broker. And at first the deal, like we liked it because we went and saw it in person, but the numbers didn't work. And we're like, okay, well, we really like it in person. So we're going to like keep checking in on it. Right. So like the first month it didn't look good, which was August ish. I think September didn't look good. And then October comes and it's like sweet stabilized and it's trending up. So this is the time where we have to put in an LOI. Right. And so we did. And just like through that whole back and forth journey, that's how we ended up getting it under contract just because we had been submitting LOIs like with the broker. And so he knew we were serious, but like something else that we did is we put together like a whole cover sheet, right? It was like who the whole team is, who we want our property management to be, who our lender will be. So like from the beginning, it showed the broker like, oh, even though they're in the UK and this kind of might seem a little sketchy, like they're actually talking to people and putting a lot of effort into it. So like, I'm going to keep sending them deals and keep talking to them about the deals. A lot of people want to be profitable multifamily operators, but lack the knowledge, deal flow, experience, and capital to be successful. They often try to overcome these challenges out of order, slowing or eliminating their ability to get their next deal done. We've developed a framework that allows them to gain the knowledge they need to find profitable deals. When they do, they create the time and location for you, as well as the generational wealth they desire for their family. The Myers methods of multifamily investing have proved to be the fastest way to establish credibility and properly grow an apartment portfolio. If you want to know more about our four-step process, jump over to MyersMethods.com to get our free four-step guide to getting into multifamily investing. Let's get back to the episode. Wow. Okay, so that's interesting. It was marketed, but it didn't go under contract immediately is my takeaway. And so you just kept tracking it. You're hunting it, right? It's it's the wounded animal. And then you you jump on it, you catch the prey, you get it under contract and everything goes perfect. It's been printing money ever since, right? That's funny. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and I have my Lamborghini outside too. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Man, well, you should have shot in front of the Lamborghini. I mean, you got the bookcases. I see the bookcases <laughs> back there, but I need the Lamborghini inside you. Um, but anyway, all right. So what <laughs> happened if it's not just printing money and everything's working perfect? Through any multifamily acquisition or any real estate transaction, I feel like it's a roller coaster ride. You know, it's <laughs> it's like everything all at once and then nothing. Everything all at once and then nothing. And then a crickets, you're like, cool, are we, are we clear, clear to close? Everything is good to go. But one thing that was a real eye-opener for us was the, the capital raise. So with any real estate transaction, whether that's multifamily or whatever, there's, it's a roller coaster ride going from when you get it under contract to close, right? So it's everything all at once and then nothing. And everything all at once and then nothing. And you're like, okay, are we clear to close? And you're like, no, not yet, because we have to fix all these documents still, right? So, But throughout that whole process, like there's multiple different things. Like you have the lawyers working on things, but then, you know, your real estate attorneys working on things, but then you have your SEC attorneys working on things as well. And so, you know, throughout the process, you're also raising money if it's a syndication. And so that is also a roller coaster ride in itself, right? So you have all this external thing or things you really can't control. And then you have the the uh, the fund the money raising as well the capital raising that's also a ro- its own roller coaster ride right and so one of the things that we learned you know on our first syndication before we actually started raising money for our first syndication was that about ten percent of your list is going to invest in your first deal uh, we've heard that from several several different people and so we're like okay well if we're going to bring five hundred k and it's going to be a fifty thousand dollar minimum we need at least ten people so multiply that by ten you know we need a hundred people on our list. And hopefully 10 of them come through, right? And actually, just to fast forward and the spoiler, like we actually had like 17 people, you know, invest with us and we had like 170 or 165 people on our list. So it like worked out like 10%, right? So anyways. But even to go into that, like for us, it was not our friends and family who invested with us. So that was like the first like eye opener, like everyone just saw me as, I don't know, business girl who knows what they saw me as actually. And then Michael, for sure, Air Force, nobody saw us as real estate investors. So right away, it was like, okay, well, we're going to have to put on the jetpack because it was a 506B. And so we had to have those relationships with everyone and go straight into it. So for a while there, we were doing like 20 to 25 investor calls a week. And that's not something you think that you're going to have to do in multifamily, you know, because that's not like a little amount of time because none of the calls actually run for a half hour. You know, you have the people who really, 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 really want to talk and that's totally okay. But so that means that your nights get much, much longer. And so that was actually a huge eye opener too. It's like, oh, we're talking to everyone and everyone and we're, we got to ask all those deep questions. And I mean, we did care about their stories because a lot of them are really cool, right? Because when you start to ask, like, why do you want to invest invest in real estate? You get those really deep answers. And it's like, whoa, you know, (laughs) that's amazing. And so that was our first little like hiccup, like, oh, cool. Well, we're going to have to meet a lot of new people here really fast. And so to go back to the roller coaster of the capital raise for our first deal as well, there were several things that we messed up, right? So number one, we had the investment webinar on a Thursday evening, okay? So you're like, okay, yeah, Thursday's not bad. But then we had a Thursday evening. Guess what people aren't doing on Friday? Funding your deal, (laughs) right? They're like, hey, we're getting ready for the weekend. Bye. Yeah, (laughs) just because it's the most important thing in your life right now does not mean it's the most important thing for your investors. And then the weekend comes, right? So- we had the webinar and then right after the webinar, we had like a million in commits. 
And we're like, cool. We only have like 750 left. We're going to be good to go. And then after that crickets through Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And we were like, Monday, Monday we're like, <laughs> Oh my God. I was like, how we were like, how are we going to raise another 750 K? We got to figure it out. Right. I was like, my life is over. My goals are, goals are crushed. I don't know what I'm going to do. I can't sleep. <laughs> we, didn't sleep we didn't sleep for like a week. Right. But then it just, and then Tuesday, Wednesday, they start trickling in. People were actually finally starting to look at the paperwork and start funding and stuff like that. And then it was all fine after like 10 days, but you know, that initial shock. So what we've learned is the next time we're having a webinar on Tuesday. And so then we have Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, three full work days to actually, you know, talk to the investors, make sure that they see the PPM or read the PPM. If they have any questions, they can follow up with us then, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah. I've never actually heard anybody say on their first deal that they raised all the money. This is really interesting. Congratulations. Thanks. Thanks, Drew. Absolutely fabulous. So, all right. Now, did you have any other partners that are responsible for bringing money or you brought it all? Yeah, there were other partners who were responsible. And it's obvious, it's like on all of us, right? So when I say this, it's like as a group, because everybody in the sponsorship team is responsible for everything. Like nobody is cast out or whatever, but because we were so confident that we could like raise it right away. And we were confident because all of us as like each individual company, you know, we asked like, Hey, how much money do you think you can raise? And they said a certain amount, but when it came to like having that follow-up meeting on a Sunday, because we had not, we were hearing crickets, right? We weren't hearing anything. We we're like, okay, what's happening? Like, let's go through our list of everybody who signed up for the webinar. Like, have you reached out? What is this? And one of the individuals was like, I'm only going to bring, be able to bring three. And we're like, okay, 300 K that's cool. Like that's totally fine. He's like, no, three people. We're like, no, 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 no. That's under, that's under hundred K. I don't know what I'm going to do again. Your life is over, <laughs> right? Because it's scary because like we had set a certain amount and they had set a certain amount. So that's just like kind of what you have in your brain, but then you have to go into like, I don't know, fight or flight mode. And for us, it was just like fight. It's like, we have to close this deal because our goals are bigger than this. The LPs are bigger than this. So like, what do you do now? And it's like a very delicate conversation that you have with people who have yet invested, right? It's like, oh, hi, what'd you think of the deal? You know, like no <laughs> hesitation in your voice or anything because you really just want to know. But like through that, like Michael and myself and then one other team member, because total, it was like three total teams. Um, we just did that. That's what we did until we had all the money. It was reaching out and starting all those conversations over being like, Hey, I know that like you've thought about investing. Like, do you want to talk about it more? And it was doing a lot of that. And at the time it seems like very, very scary because like there could have been a moment where like we had no idea what was going to happen, you know, but to go with that, like with your partners or when somebody says like, Oh, I think, I think I can bring this amount, like really ask, like, how, why do you think that are you sending out like quarterly surveys being like, Oh, are you still wanting to invest in a deal? Do you still have the same amount of capital? You know, it's not like you can talk to them once and then hope that six months to a year down the road. And I mean this for like brand new syndicators, right? Cause for some people it takes a while to get their first deal done. Like the people that you talk to at the beginning of your journey might be in a completely different space. And so that number can change within actually within an hour. Right. So it's just really asking those deeper questions, like how, why, what are you doing? 
like all of the above, all of the W questions. <laughs> but Susie, I mean, how dare you ask me if I can get that much money raised? Who do you think you are? <laughs> I think that the LPs and the residents would want me to ask you that question. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> nice. I think a lot of people make a bunch of promises and they have no idea how they're going to fulfill in a commitment. They're just running and gunning. And if you don't ask the question, you're the one that's going to be surprised at the back end because it's really hard to raise money for a lot of people. And if you've never raised money before and you don't have a track record, it's highly likely that people are not going to give you money. I mean, wealthy people are pretty smart. That's why they're wealthy. <laughs> and <laughs> They don't like risk and they're trying to figure out how to make sure that whoever they give their money to is going to return that capital to them with some more. So this is outstanding, man. I, this is really, really good. Is there anything else worth sharing as far as learnings from this first deal? Because I mean, you got right into the next deal, law of the first deal, right? So you're into the next deal. What, what have you adjusted or changed in order to improve the raising or just the overall functionality of the next go around? Yeah. So another thing that we learned right away was that certified, no, what was it? Yeah. Certified bank deposits. Bank deposits. Sorry. I was like, I need help with the words are not something that you can rely on. And, certified rent rolls. Oh, okay. You need certified bank deposits, right? Oh, you can't just rely on a certified rent roll. Sorry. From, from the seller. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I say that because the seller also owned the property management company. And after we took over, a lot of the numbers no longer made sense that were previously on the rent roll. And surprise! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Somebody cooked the books. That. So what'd you do with that? Because I mean, there is a real financial impact when it happens. Right? Yeah. You show up and you think you have occupancy that you don't. But yeah. So we had the occupancy. It just was there is no, you know, economic occupancy. So but not n- no, but there was just a there was more than we expected. Luckily, our property management company is a rock star. They are rock stars. And we are like back up, you know, it's been three, uh, not even three months now. And we're like back up to, to where we where we thought we were. So, and I have more to add to that too. So like we had a lot of month to month leases. And so it was like, okay, wow, we can do something. Okay. We're back. We can do something with that. Right. Like what do we do with those month to month leases and all of the people who do have an extreme balance, like that's where this eviction moratorium doesn't come in because it's like, oh, well now your lease is just up. Like we have tried to communicate with you. We have tried to sign you up for restore hope. Like we have gone above and beyond, but like how that actually worked out is because like part of our business plan is to add washers and dryers. And so when they are out, we can actually add the washers and dryers. So it was almost like a blessing in disguise. At the very beginning, we were really... I don't know. I don't want to say surprised, more just like amazed. Cause we like Michael and I, we, I would just wouldn't do that to a seller or a buyer, you know? And so then for it to happen to us, I'm like, I'm so confused. Like you could have just not gave it to us with a hundred percent occupancy. We wouldn't have cared, you know, like that's, that's not the number we needed to hear. Yeah. You just avoid trying to pay any kind of make ready cost. Well, 
Of course, right? Because he's trying to maximize his profit. But so talk to people because this is the first time this concept has come up. So talk, let's talk about bank deposits. Why would somebody not want to give you that? Why would you make them give you that? Why is it even a conversation? Because we say bank deposits are tax returns. So let's talk about that. Yeah. So a big part of it at the beginning, because it was a three property portfolio, he was like, oh, well, I can't give them to you because it won't make sense because everything's going into the same bank. And we were like, okay, (laughs) whatever. (laughs) I don't know how much money I'm making. I have no idea. I don't have any paperwork yet. (laughs) So he's like, I'll give you a certified roll. Yeah. And we're like, okay. And like, he like, it had like the balances and things like that on the rent roll. And, you know, he signed his name to it. And I was like, okay, I don't know, you know, how much this will hold up in court. And I know it's really hard to prove fraud anyways. So, I mean, we, we did the best due diligence that we could possibly do. The only thing is we could have, what, what we could have pushed for was just the certified bank deposits that or a stopple agreements from all the, uh, the residents. Wow. So were the security deposits right or just they were right yeah yeah so okay. he, he i mean he wired the, the security deposits like that was on the closing statement he wired that to us or gave us a credit for that at least so yeah, everything okay yeah good good man that's a good catch right there and so for this next go around you're going to verify the income from a third-party source not the owner everything's been verified yep like 14 times yeah <laughs> Nice. And we know the seller for the next one. So it's a little bit, uh, yeah, makes things Careful. a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> no, we still went through, through physical. Yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Still went through physical and, and digital due diligence for this as well, just as we would any other property. So Perfect. And so the final question, the one I ask everybody is what words of wisdom do you have for the listeners? You know, keep at it. I mean, that's really what it is. Like do the nights, do the mornings because everything takes time that is worth going after. So like you will get the deal, take the time to do the due diligence, digital and physical, right? Like every, every part of the process, like takes time and takes patience. But once you get to the end, it is well worth it because like I kind of said at the beginning, like getting one step closer to your passions, like all of the long nights and all of the like sleepy eyes looking at the material. It's like all worth it at the end. And be wary of owners who have their own property management company. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Susie, Michael, thank you so much for coming to hang out with me on multifamily list missteps. I don't know what I was going to say. Oh, I was going to say into the listeners. We'll talk soon. The next episode is coming. Thank you again. You made it to this juncture, so you really love what we shared on this episode of Myers Methods Presents Multifamily Missteps. Do us a favor. Give us a five-star rating. Give us a review and share this with somebody who's interested in multifamily investing. Until the next time, the pack is with you.